You guys ready for the word this morning? Well, you have the backup quarterback this morning. The star quarterback is out sick and uh, got the backup this morning. So hopefully I'll be able to do a little bit better as the backup than uh, the backup quarterback for Texas did in the national championship game. Those of you that follow sports know what I'm talking about. But I'm excited about this morning. I'm excited. I believe that God has something very special and very unique for each and every one of us or you wouldn't be here. I don't think it's a coincidence that you're here this morning. Amen. Amen. Um, The title of my message this morning is Let Love Live in You. And this is something that God has uh, spoken to me about for 2010. Not not like a a word like, like Pastor had, but just that I personally would allow love to to live in me, that it would be more than than just church on Sundays, that it would be more than just words. It would be more than just lifting my hands, but I would let love live within me. Okay, and I'm talking about letting love live in you this morning. And uh, we if you have your Bibles or your smartphones, if you could turn to the book of First John chapter 4. I heard a guy say that before and I, I took a double take. I was like, what? But uh, I, and those of you that don't know me or, uh, you know, if it's your first time or, or uh, if you haven't been here very long, I'm the youth pastor here. So I'm usually preaching on Wednesday nights back there. And I can't tell them if you have your smartphones turned to this because they'll, they'll start texting and this and that. And, and then we'll, we'll go up to them and talk to them and say, put away your phone. It's just the Bible. Yeah, right. You don't have a Bible on your phone, but it, it it's up here if you don't have your Bibles with you or your smartphones, but we're going to be reading from the book of 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. And it says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. Say that, with, say that with me. God is love. I want you to really get that this morning. God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Is that all you got back there? I'll read it from my paper. Okay. (laughs) Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Man, this is an awesome, awesome portion of scripture. One of my favorite in the word. Now let's go back and look at verse 8 one more time. And, 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 and verse 8 says that whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. We're talking about this morning about letting love, God's love, live in us. Okay, Where it's more than just coming to church every Sunday. Where it's more than just going through the motions of worship. But we actually allow God's love to live and, and, and be our heartbeat. The word love in this verse, in verse chapter 8 translated into the original language, is the word agape. How many of you have heard that? 
Agape love. Almost all of you, if you've been in church for about two weeks, you've heard that word. Agape love. In our culture today, okay, uh, we use the word love very flippantly. Okay? We say things like, I love ice cream. Okay? Or one of my wife's favorite things to say is, I love chocolate. My wife loves chocolate more than I've ever known anybody to love chocolate. Or, or, or we say, I love that show. Or, or we say, I love the Dallas Cowboys. Or we say, I love New York City. And, but the thing is, with the same word, we say, I love God. <laughs> with the same word, we say, I love Jesus with all of my heart. Or we look at our mate in the eyes, our, our, our spouse in the eyes, and we say, I love you. With the same word we're using for ice cream, we're using for God and our spouse. In our culture today, we use this word very flippantly. In the biblical days, there were several different types of love that were identified by different words. Okay, Nowadays, we use the same word for several different things. But back then, it, it, they, they had several different types of love. And which each type of love, they would use a different Greek word. Okay, And we're going to go into that real quickly. There were many different words for love in the Greek language, but four distinct words that I want to quickly go over with you. Okay, The first Greek word okay, that describes love uh, in the Greek language in the Bible is the word phileo. Okay? This is where we get the word Philadelphia from. Okay? The, the, it's called the city of brotherly love because phileo is a love between brothers or sisters or friends. This is a friendship or a brotherly type of love described in, in, in the Bible. Uh, the next type of love is eros love. Okay, This is a sexual love. This is where we get the word erotic from. Okay, And then we have, uh, I hope I'm saying this right, storgy or storge or storge if you're Hispanic. Um, <laughs> I can say that because I'm married to a Hispanic there. Uh, this word means uh, affection. I love Hispanics. I do. They're awesome. They're amazing. <laughs> this word means affection. A natural affection that a parent feels for their child. This word was almost always used to describe the love between family members. And then there's agape love, which is the love God had for His Son Jesus. And it's the love that God has for mankind, for you and I. It's that perfect love. Okay? It's, and this agape love is what I'm going to really talk about living in us. We're going to talk about the agape of God living within us. If this church, okay, is going to grow like we believe God, it's going to grow. We believe that, that this year is a year of growth. We believe that this is a year of change for the good, okay? Change can mean bad or it can mean good, but I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that change means good for this year. And we believe that it's going to grow. If this church is going to grow like we believe it's going to grow, if we're going to make an impact in the Arlington, Grand Prairie, Mansfield, DFW area, okay, then this agape love that I'm talking about has to live in each and every one of us. It can't just live in the preacher. It can't just live in the worship leader. It can't just live in the children's pastor. It's got to live within each and every one of us. Okay? Because we're a body of... We're the body of Christ. Okay? This isn't just a one-man show. 
Okay, this isn't just a superstar getting up every every Sunday and preaching. It's about empowering the body of Christ to do what God has called us to do. Okay, and so in order for us to reach the destiny that God has for our church, we've got to let this agape love live in each and every one of us. Look at your neighbor and say, uh, he's talking about me. When we allow agape love to live in us, we can start to live as victorious Christians. How many of you want to live victoriously? Live in victory? Amen, I do too. Most Christians live their lives defeated and depressed because they're constantly looking back at how fun their past was or they look at all the rules that they have to follow when they become a Christian. Most Christians, they, they, they live defeated lives because instead of looking at all that they get to do in the freedom of Christ, all that they get to do in the name of love, they look at, uh, at the past. It's like the, that analogy where you're driving the car and you're looking in your rearview mirror. Okay, you're not going to get very far until you crash into something if you're constantly looking backwards. But in our Christian walk, some of us do that over and over and over, and we wonder why we don't receive that victory and that freedom that God has for us and that the preacher talks about every week. Are you hearing me this morning? Most Christians live defeated lives because they never truly let love live in them. They hear about the love. They might even talk about the love. They might even read about the love. But do we truly let that love, that agape, God type of love, live inside of us? Sometimes I don't think I understand or I don't think we understand the power of the love that is in us. When we accept Jesus, He comes into our heart. He makes His home into our heart if we we, uh, confess our sins and accept Him as our Lord and Savior. The Bible says that God is love. So when we get saved, that love comes inside of us. But allowing love to come inside you is not enough. You've got to let that love live. You've got to let that love cultivate and grow inside of you. Just because you get saved isn't the end all. In fact, it's just the beginning. God has so much for you and me. Are you receiving this this morning? I want to give you uh, briefly three characteristics of agape love. Three characteristics. I'm sure there are more, but uh, I got down three So we're going to talk about three characteristics of agape love. The first characteristic of that agape love, okay, that God love, the the love God has for you and I, the love God had for His Son, is that agape love is selfless. That God love is selfless. That word selfless means devoted to others. We're really good about being devoted to ourselves, but this word selfless means being devoted to others. Being devoted to others' welfare or interest and not one's own. It means being unselfish. God gave up His rule and reign and comfortable life in heaven to come to earth. He was born in the home of animals. He worked as a carpenter until He was 30 years old. He did ministry for three and a half years, then sacrificed His life on the cross for you and me. That is the epitome of being selfless. He didn't, he, he, he cared more about us than himself. He showed, he let that agape love live in him. Agape love will move you to care about others. It won't be a burden. It won't be a hassle. God's love in you will move you. It will compel you to care about others' needs. 
Because as you allow that love to grow, you become more like God because God is love. You can't separate love and God. You can't separate God and love because they're the same thing. Agape love isn't an all about me love. Okay, it's not all about me all the time. It's about what God wants. It's about looking after the cares of others. Agape love shows love whether you get something back or not. Do you receive that this morning? We're great at loving, including myself. We're great at loving if we get something back for what we do. But how about we love whether or not we get something back or not? That's agape love, my friends. Selfish love only loves if you get something from that person. Agape love, get this. This is good. Agape love doesn't hold on to offenses. Let me say that again. Agape love doesn't hold on to offenses. I like to tell the story that my past, my last senior pastor told several times. Uh, he, he would travel and preach. He was a youth pastor first, okay, for many years. And then after he got his senior pastor position, he would travel and preach. So he, uh, he went to a, a service that he was traveling in another state, and uh, he preached and all that. And, and uh, he did his uh, altar call, and all these people were coming up towards the altar. So he's laying hands on people, praying for them, healing, salvation, whatever. And he saw this one girl in the background, and she was just stiff, just looked angry, just <laughs> like this. And so he noticed her, and he went up to her, and he said, Sweetheart, what's going on? This was a middle-aged lady. It's like, what's going on? What, is, some, is everything okay? And she said, I've been mad at you for the last 15 years. He didn't even recognize the girl. Uh, he, she said, I've been mad at you for the last 15 years. And he said, I'm sorry. Uh, what did I do? I, 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 and she said, when you were my youth pastor, you, you took three girls at 6.30 in the morning, every Wednesday morning for a discipleship and for breakfast, and, and you never invited me. And I've been mad at you for the last 15 years. And he looked at her and he said, I'm, I'm sorry, darling. I, I didn't realize that I did that. And, and I apologize if I've hurt you. But do you, know, do you want to know why I took those girls out every Wednesday morning at 6.30? And she said, why? He said, because they asked. Because they asked. She was bitter and angry for the last 15 years because she didn't ask to go out to breakfast. Uh, the, when you hold an offense... The only person you're hurting is yourself. Because the person you're offended at, they, they've, they've moved on. They don't even think about you anymore. But you're still sitting there being offended. You're angry. And God, God said in His Word, if you don't forgive your friends or if you don't forgive someone, He can't forgive you. So you're living in unforgiveness. Well, that person's having the time of their life. Holding on to offenses only hurts yourself. Let me tell, tell you something that will set you free this morning. You want to hear something that will set you free this morning? If you don't hear anything else, hear this one thing. It's time to move on. It's time to move on. The person you're offended at has moved on. They've moved way on. They've moved to another country. But you're still holding on to that same junk that's keeping you from living a victorious life in Christ. Are you receiving that this morning? So the first characteristic of agape love is that it is selfless. I almost said selfish. <laughs> that wouldn't be good. Agape love is selfless. The second characteristic of agape love is that it's sacrificial. Sacrificial. That's a word some of us haven't heard in years and years and years or haven't practiced in years and years and years. Agape love is sacrificial. 
To sacrifice means the surrender or destruction of something prized or desirable for the sake of something considered as having higher or more pressing claim. The surrender, the destruction of something prized or desirable for the sake of something considered of being higher. I, 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 this is more for what I tell my young people. Sometimes, sometimes I tell them, if God is speaking to you about breaking up with a boyfriend or girlfriend, and it just seems so hard, so difficult, just think God has something so much better for you. Or he, he's, not just, he's just not trying to do that to be mean. He's just not trying to do that so you don't have what you want. He's doing that because he's trying to protect you and he has something better for you. That's the, that's the God we serve. We don't serve a God that sits up in heaven and just every time we mess up, just I knew he was going to mess up. We serve a God of love. We serve a God of love. There is no greater example of love than God sacrificing his son on the cross for you and I. No greater example of sacrifice than that. Parents sacrifice their time, their comforts and their desires for their children all the time. I love my mom. My mom is awesome. She's, she would tell us all the time growing up. She says, you know, I, I, I don't get the most expensive stuff and I don't spend all this money on myself because I want you and your sister to have more than enough. I want you, uh, you know, to, to, to feel like you're respectable, to, to have dignity. And so I will sacrifice spending money on my own so that I can give you everything that you want. Parents do this all the time, and it's, it's just an amazing, amazing example of sacrifice. If God's love is sacrificial and He lives in us, then we should be sacrificial as well. Amen. This is what I'm talking about, that agape love living in us. It should transform us and change us into becoming more and more like Christ. Being like Jesus isn't this uh, philosophical, up-in-the-air thing, okay? Being like Jesus is sacrificing. Being like Jesus is when there's a bunch of people rushing to the line to get to to check out. You say, you know what? Go ahead of me. I'm going to be kind. Okay? Uh, It's very practical. Being like Jesus is very practical. It's not, you don't have to be Aristotle to do it. Okay? It's very basic. What do we, okay? I want you to get inward a little bit with me this morning. What do we sacrifice for God? What do we give up so that God can be bigger in our lives? Do we give up some of our time so we can spend it with God? Instead of watching so much TV, do we, do we maybe check out a little bit from the TV and spend more time with God? Maybe instead of listening to the, 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 the morning show in the morning on your drive for work, do, do we sacrifice that so we can spend a little bit more time with God? And I'm preaching to myself as well this morning. Do we sacrifice any of our money to give to God? The Bible says where your treasure is, your heart is there also. Do we sacrifice our time and energy so that we can do outreach to the community or serve in the church? Or are we just too busy? Let me tell you something, friend. Everybody's just too busy. You have to sacrifice. What you value, what you think is important, you will make time for and you will sacrifice for. We are at times such self-centered, selfish individuals. Starting with myself, okay? We, 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 we just are naturally selfish, self-centered. But God sacrificed His Son, Jesus, so that you and I could have eternal life as well as a good life here on earth. 
But I constantly hear people say, I have to give up too much to serve God. I'm not ready to serve God yet because I know I'm going to have to give up all this stuff. I hate to burst our bubbles this morning, but what a selfish, self-centered comment that is. God gave everything for us. He didn't hold anything back. He was sitting on a throne being worshipped by angels and being worshipped by millions of people. He was walking on streets of gold. He came down to this earth and sacrificed everything. Not only did he do that, he was beaten. He was bloodied for you and I gave everything. Yet we say, I have to give up too much for God. And all he's asking you to give up, all he's asking me to give up are habits that are, that are hurting us. That's all he's saying. All he's saying is give this stuff up because I have something so much better for you. But we say we have to give up too much. And I'm closing with this last point. And if I could have the worship team uh, come back up this morning for me. The last point that I want to make is agape love is unconditional. Agape love is unconditional. Let me tell you something very important. God loves you no matter what. God loves you no matter what you did last year. God loves you no matter what you did last month. God loves you no matter what you did last week. God loves you no matter what you did an hour before church. It doesn't matter if you were mean to your spouse on the way to church. God still loves you. He might need to spank you, but He still loves you. God loves the rich and the poor. He loves the popular and the unpopular. He loves the black, white, Mexican, Indian. He might love the Indian a little bit more, but uh, Asian, African. It doesn't matter what race you are. God loves you the same. God loves you no matter what sin or sins you've ever committed. He loves you without conditions. This morning, we're talking about letting love live in you. In order for love to live in you, you have to surrender to that love. You have to yield yourself to that love. I'm not just talking about people that have never been saved or accepted Christ as their Savior. You could be saved for 20 years and you've never truly surrendered to that agape love. You've never walked out the characteristics of agape love. You have to give yourself to that love completely and wholly. Without limits, you have to give yourself to that love for it to truly live in you. You have to allow God to take those bad attitudes, the selfishness and the me attitude out of you. And you have to allow him to fill you with his love that is selfless, that is sacrificial, and that is unconditional. When God's love lives in you, you become different. You can't stay the same. You become different. You become more and more like God. You have to let go of the things that happened to you in the past and allow God's pure love to reign supreme in your life. You've got to let go of the bitterness you're holding against your husband because he's not everything you wanted him to be. Marriage might not have been everything you signed up for, but you've got to let go of that bitterness. You've got to let go of the anger you feel towards the last person that walked by you and didn't say hi to you. Maybe they had something on their mind and they were just going somewhere. And let me ask you a question. Why didn't you say hi? 
You have a mouth. You have a tongue. You have a voice. My friends, you've got to let go of the anger you feel towards the person that walked out in your life. You've got to let go of that hurt of when your parents had that divorce and and it ripped your heart in half and you even blamed yourself for it. But this morning, you've got to let it go and allow God's pure love to live in you. You've got to let go of the scars that are holding you back. You've got to let go of your unforgiveness and allow love, that agape love, to truly live in you. And this morning, if you could just bow your heads and close your eyes. Right now, I'm just speaking to anyone that... that, uh, you, you've never had this, this agape, this God kind of love live in you because you don't know the source of that love. You've never received God as your Savior. You, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you left here, got in a car accident and you died, you don't know if you'd go to heaven or hell. You're not assured of your salvation. If that's you in this place, could you raise your hand quickly?